Bruchim Habayim. How does he keep doing this? No, decline. Decline one. Because he has to be called back. And now look, you call him from here, you add. Add people to this call. There's his name. And we add him. He's probably not there. Okay. Happy birthday to my dear daughter, Dvaralea. Ashen birthday cake. Someone stole my bottle of fresca. Yeah, the bottle is over there, but mine is stolen. I don't know what happened to it. So if you could bring me a cup of salsa, if you could. He saw it, he took. <coughs> uh-huh. No, it was here. Um, Baruch Hashem, we were Zeichel last night to a um, to have an upshare of our grandson, Meishat Tzvi. We should see Meishat a lot of nachas from him. His brother, sister, all his future siblings and cousins. Um, today, was the yard site of the Rav, the Maradasra, and you the Kalman, and the Rav Avram, Yeshua. It is 13 years, 13 Misper Echad, Kappa Salsa please. Um, I take a moment to reflect, talk about the Rav, the Rav was known as Ish Halacha, a man that, Didn't live by the book, but lived with the book. Shulchan Aruch was not just a, a thought or afterthought. It was a way of life. A man that didn't like to impose on other people. When he needed something done, he would apologize, I don't know how many times beforehand. Many years he taught in yeshiva. Like any other teacher, I guess there are pros and cons. Positives and not so positive students. I said that positive and not so positive, both of them have the word positive in it. Yeah. We don't use any negativity. 
some you want to kill yourself for, some you can kill yourself because of. The Rebbe relied heavily on his Piskidinim, as did the community in Lubavitch worldwide, and many, many other people from other circles. Rabbi Malo gave off this air, this aura, of a man that just just wanted people to do the right thing. He could be found one, two o'clock in the morning in his office, sitting and learning. Shabbos, he would sit and learn all day long. He would have a talus bag. And later in the years, he had two talus, two talus bags. Because one wasn't enough to carry all the books that he would be going through in the course of Shabbos. When his children had children, grandchildren in other words, any of the boys, the Shalom Zacher, were always in his house. But he would stay in shul, he would tardy and daven a little longer until he finished learning his, his order of learning. Then he would first daven, then he would come home. So many people had finished their meal and he was first coming home. One such Friday night, I had gone with my friends to another Shalom Zacher in the, in the neighborhood on the way to him. And I came outside, I noticed that he was walking home. So he said, okay, he's going home, he'll be home soon so we can go. I arrived in his house, and he had just sat down, but he hadn't made Kiddush. So I leaned over and I said to him, should I send everyone out and you'll make Kiddush? Because there were people there ready for the Shalom Zachel. And he smiled and said, sing a nigin. So he sang Negan 2, 3. And I needed to find another ploy to get him to make Yiddish. So, so I said to the Rav, candles were burning down. Today was the Jatzeit Chof. Uh, the candles are burning down. And it says in Alter Rebbe Shachanarach that when a person says the words Yoim Hashishi Vayachula Hashemayim, the first four letters of those words are used Kevavke Hashem's name, and it's a skula for the eyes to look at the candles when those words are recited Yoim Hashishi Vayachula Hashemayim. So I said the candles are going to burn down. So he pointed to his chandelier. And he said, these are also Shabbos candles, because he only uses them on Shabbos. I saw I had a losing battle here, and I just said, we sang a few monigunim, and uh, I parted my way, because I couldn't bear to sit there anymore, and knowing that he didn't make Yiddish. This is just one of the trinkets, trivial, trivial stories of the Rav, 
how he wouldn't be matriach other people, he wouldn't trouble other people. So much so that he would come home and he would sit and make by us in the house. I once made a shalom zakh for one of my children. My father of a shalom was sitting here and the Rav walked in. The Rav was going home. He hadn't come home, he hadn't gotten home yet, but he detoured. He came to my house first. I guess, I believe that that, that particular shalom zakh, he was sandik for that boy. And um, he came into the Shalom Zacha and just needed to say everybody stood up. The great reverence and respect for the chief rabbi of the community of Chabad. <laughs> and my father immediately said, uh, Will the rabbi say the Chaim? The Rav say the Chaim. And I knew the Rav hadn't made Kiddush yet, so I told my father, Leave him, leave him, it's fine, it's fine. No, but the man comes in, you should give him the chai. I said, ta, ta, please. And uh, finally, uh, I told my father, he hadn't, the Rav hasn't made Kiddush yet. <laughs> my father starts putting together, he's going to give him Kiddush. I said, ta, he has to go home to his wife to make Kiddush. So my father finally calmed down, and I turned to the Rav, and I said, Ishkech, for coming. He was there maybe a minute and a half, maybe two. And he said to me, are you sure? In other words, you know, it's only it's it's a big honor for me to have the rov by my son Shalom Zacha in my house. It would be nice people would come and see that the rov came to honor me. This is not my style either. And he apologized for leaving, and he left. He went home. I'm sure many people can tell stories of Shalom Zachas that he showed up to. We'll change back to the regular schedule. Pasha Shlach. Or more commonly known, known as Pasha Shlach Lecho. Not Shlach Lecho. Anoshim, but Shlach Lecho. Why Lecho? Because this is the gist of what happened, what transpires here. As the Almighty tells Meshach Rabbeinu, you want to send them Raglan, send them Lecho, the Tevoscha, whatever you want. It's all your idea. I am not condoning it, and I'm not insisting on it. We all know the consequences of the horrific action that took place as the Meraglim returned home with a horrific report of the Holy Land. Kolev in Yeshua, as we mentioned once, Pari asks Moshe, Miva Mi who are those that will go back, go to Israel? When he knew already that all the Jews were leaving, Moshe told him so many times, Pari was implying, Miva Mi was the numerical value of the words Kolev ben Nun. Kolev ben Yefuna and Yeshua ben Nun are the only two that are going to go in. To which Moshe replies, Those who under 20 or over 60. We spoke about this at length in the previous year. Pashas 
Bye. But here we have an issue. Ten of the twelve spies come back with this slanderous report. And two say nothing. Punishment? Simple. Death. Forty years you're going to wander in the desert, the entire Jewish nation. Everyone between 20 and 60 years of age will die. Wow. How drastic is that? We get text messages over here. I said a happy birthday. Let us, for a moment, examine what did the spies do? What was the mission they were given and what did they actually do that they got punished so severely? Why Kalev and Yeshua were so greatly rewarded for their silence? And what were they actually thinking? It's a very, very strange situation here. The words of the Meraglim were an answer to Moshe's question. Moshe sends them, spy out the land. See the land, what is it? The people, the dwelling in the land that are sitting there. Are they strong? Are they weak? Are they many? Are they few? To which the Jews answered, These people are very, very strong. You asked, are they strong or not? I answered, yes. And when he asked them, Is the land a good one or not good? What's exactly keeping this, the income of people? They answered, Zavas, It's a land of milk and honey, and these are the fruits. Only after, when Kalev stood quietly, did the people finally add another few words. We cannot go up. We will not be able to conquer them. They are many, they are strong. And the bad slander was now revealed on the land. Let us scrutinize. What did Kolev see to stay silent? And when they said their whole opinion of the Holy Land, why did his silence be, why was it so relevant? 
The sin of the spies was not so much their answer, but the way they changed the order. And they answered Moshe. Moshe commanded them to see first the land. To see Hechazak Hu And then he told them to see, to see if they're strong or not. And then he told them to see Hashmeina Hi Imrozo. Is it prosperous? So what was Moshe's main gist of sending the spies? First see if we can conquer them. After that we'll see how we can profit from this. Then we'll see if there's anything, if we have to work, if we don't have to work. What did they come back and do? Their answers were a little warped. They answered, first, the land itself, what it's worth. In other words, the main point here is we can make a lot of money here. It's really good stuff here. And the main thing, therefore, we should just take them over so that we can make all this money that they're making. The service of a person... When a person thinks of a reward that he's going to get for something, it makes something sometimes easier. A hard job is when we're not sure what we're going to come from it. And therefore it's sometimes even impossible to do. And that's why the Miraglim ultimately say, We cannot go up. When Kalev saw that their main point here was the reward that we're going to get from the whole thing, and that Aveda, their service to God, is only in order to get a reward, Hishtikam. He remained silent. He remained silent after he saw what they were getting at, where they were heading. There's a city called Volkeme. Volkeme was quite a distance from the city of Nezhen. Mm. Nezhen, in essence, is um, down by Kiev, I guess. And um, Volkeme, I guess, is way back up in the uh, in Russia. Jew, not a Chosid, 
who lived in Volkhamer, and he spoke to a chassid of Chabad, a friend of his, and told him, I'm going to do a big business deal in Nezhen. So the friend said to him, listen, the Alter Rebbe's son is buried in Nezhen, the Mittler Rebbe. Do me a favor, go daven at least by the Mittler Rebbe. Fellas, so what do I have to lose? Now bear in mind again, this is pre-trains, pre-highways. A journey like this was six months back and forth. During the course of the journey, when this man was away, suddenly his wife took very ill. Gravely ill. So much so, that the doctor said there's no, no hope. And it got to a point where the doctors sat through the night and waited just for the moment for her to breathe Rahman al-Sanhala's breath. She went through the night laboriously and finally at 10 o'clock in the morning she sat up her entire illness broke her illness broke and she started to come back to herself no Vastutman the doctors were looking and checking and rechecking according to what they understood in medicine there was no way this could have happened months went by and the husband returned back to home back to the city of Olkema he came to the door of his house saw his wife, saw his children turned around kissed the mezuzah, turned around and ran to his friend this chassid that told him to go to the tzion of the Mittler Rebbe the chassid says to him so many months you're away from your family you come home finally you come to me spend time with your wife with your children what are you doing here is I must te- tell you something. <sighs> On my journey to Nezhen, many, many horrific things happened. So much so, that I was wiped out. I lost everything I had. I lost everything I had and I had no idea how I was going to do any business. I came to Nezhen. I was devastated. I didn't know what I was going to do there. And especially in the course of this journey, I accrued, accumulated a lot of debt. And there were a lot of people out to hurt me. And I didn't know what to do.
I remembered my promise to you, and I decided I have to go to the oil of the Mitle Rebbe. No, I went to the mikveh and I prepared myself and suddenly I started to tremble. I had a good coat, a warm coat and everything else. I just started to tremble. I was frozen. I didn't know what was becoming of me. I started to go closer and closer. I came to the actual ale and I was standing there in fear, I never felt such fear in my life, in such awe, I didn't know where, I, I couldn't imagine I sat down and I wrote a letter for myself and oddly enough, I wrote a letter for my wife, separately myself and my children a one letter a blessing for everything that's going on, and a separate letter for my wife. I ended up putting these letters down at 10 o'clock in the morning. I came back here, and I heard the story that happened to my wife, and I was shocked because I inquired about the date and the time and lo and behold the exact time that I put down the letter by the Rebbe and the Tzian that's the exact time that she sat up I must tell you therefore Your Rebbes, if they are so great from the grave, how much greater must they be when they're alive? To which the Chassid answered, no. Rather, Tzadikim become even greater. The Altareb writes in Tanya, Tzadikim are even greater after their death and therefore the fact that the Rebbe helped him he had a personal thing a personal connection with the Rebbe therefore we see when traveling when going to a holy place a person has to realize the value and the greatness of coming to this place and so too in the Meraglim spies traveled and Yeshua and Kolei ran to Hebron to the place of our holy fathers to the Maras of Machpelah to daven that their mission be successful, for they knew that they needed every prayer they could get. 
It was in that, from that prayer, and from the blessing of Moshe Rabbeinu as he sends off Yeshua, that they actually returned in one piece. But again, let's examine, going to the Ramban, the Ramban also asked the same question, what did the Miraglam actually do? Moshe said to them, check out the land. What is the sin that they said, Efes ki yeshev aretz? That it's, it's, it's not, it's not for the strength of people of the city that are sitting and settled in this land. Did he want them to come back and tell a lie? He wanted the honest truth. So they came back with the honest truth. What actually was the problem? The Ram answers. The sin of the Miraglim was after the Miraglim said what they saw, they had no reason to continue the words We cannot conquer because they are stronger. These words are not saying what they saw there. They were not forced to say this. But but rather these are words that they brought up from their own ideas. It's a svara. It's a thought. It's their opinion. Is an opinion such a sin? We find that Meshach Rabbeinu sent these spies to tell them which is the easiest way that they can conquer the land. But the spies in essence were so sure. Excuse me, Meshach was so sure that since HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded to conquer the land, the Jews can do it. If God said, go conquer the land, then obviously we'll be able to do this. But the Miraglim had a sin. Because they threw in the doubt. This is a lesson to our daily life. To our daily service to Hashem. The main thing of accepting, of doing Teda Mitzvahs, is the knowledge that if God commanded us to do this mitzvah, then we definitely can do it. The Almighty does not give us something we cannot do. Many a times, we come across different mitzvahs, different missions, that we say, ah, no way I could do that. Zakmandir from the Maisa Meraglim. That the Chet HaMeraglim, the sin of the Meraglim was, the sin of the spies, was they doubted that if the Almighty said you could do it, they doubted it could be done. And so every other person, the flesh and blood person, just to know that they would not be commanded something they could not do. So much more so, Melech Malka, Amlachim HaKadosh it's not shaykh, it's not possible by him 
that the Almighty should God forbid make a toast. And therefore the Almighty does not demand from a person something that he cannot do. And each and every person were given the keiches, the strength that they can command, they can do what the Almighty commanded them. If it's a command from Hashem, they can do it. And we have that very often. Where we look back and we say, it's not for me, I can't do this. It's too much for me. It's exaggerated. Says the story of the Meraglim, no. The idea of the sin, the essence of their sin, was they said, we can't. There's no such thing as we can't. If it's a command from God, you can do it. Yes, you can do it, Jerry. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Interesting mitzvahs that we have in this parasha, though. And an interesting story. The Pasik tells us after the Jews were told they're not going into the Holy Land, that the decree was brought upon them. A man was found on Shabbos desecrating the Holy Shabbos, gathering pieces of wood, bundles of wood. What happened? Rashi tells us, in actually a thesis about Basra, it tells us, the story of the Mekoshesh, the one that gathered the spindles of wood, happened immediately after the story of the Meraglim. The Omar ben Medrash, the Medrash tells us, he was a holy Jew. And there are those of the opinion that this name was Slavchod. It doesn't say his name. There is a popular opinion that says this was Slavchod that ultimately the daughters came to find out their husband, their father was killed, how do they get his inheritance? Since they were only girls. Why did this man go out and do this sin on Shabbos and desecrate the Shabbos and get himself put to death, Rahman for it? Shall you aim him yourself for the Jews had said, Kavin, since that there is a decree upon them they may not go into the Holy Land, because of the story that happened with the Miraglim. So now there was a decree that the Jews cannot enter the Holy Land. Shuv The attitude became that they are no longer obligated to do any mitzvahs. This became the attitude of the Jewish nation. Omar stood up this man, and he desecrated the Shabbos, so they should kill him, and everyone should see that someone was killed for the desecration of Shabbos. 
There are still mitzvahs. What a strange thesis or medrash. What is the reason that the Jews actually thought because the decree of the Meraglim caused them that they're not going to enter the Holy Land, why did they think they no longer were obligated to do any mitzvahs? It's explained, and it's brought down in the Teda, that the reason that the Meraglim wanted to stay in the desert, is a famous reason, because they only wanted to sit and study Torah all day long. In the desert they had no other obligation to sit and study Torah. And they wanted only to sit and study Torah, like they did in the desert. Once they go into the land, they're going to have to work, and they're going to have to do mitzvahs, maizias, the actual hand mitzvahs, and they're going to have to plant fields, and bring maizias, and trumas, and all these other things. They didn't want to have to work, deal with the mundane world, with the physical mitzvah. They wanted to stay spiritual, and study Teda all day. Therefore, the occur- it occurred to them when they were told they're not going to go into the Holy Land. This is a clear sign that they no longer have to do any mitzvahs. When do you do mitzvahs? Once you land, enter the land. As long as you don't enter the Holy Land, you don't have to do any mitzvahs. So if you don't have to do any mitzvahs, so therefore they derive from the fact that they are being. De- um, expelled, pre-expelled from the Holy Land, they derive from that, that why are we not going into the Holy Land, so that we do not have to do Mitzvah's Maisius, so that we can sit and study Tate all day. Therefore came the Makesha Shaitzim immediately. And he came to show them. And it was the shame Shemai in the Skaven he had in mind, to sanctify God's name. His makshove, his thought, and his seichel were. They were one and complete with God. And with God's Torah. He ultimately desecrated the Shabbos. And ultimately, he was Chayev Skila. But this was a lesson that was left for all the people in the desert. That although most of their service to God was sitting and studying Teda, most of their service and devotions were understanding of Avonis HaSeichel, still in all they are obligated to do mitzvahs. Because their main Aveda is to be Makai and mitzvahs Maisis. So therefore he came along and he did this mitzvah. He did the sin that ultimately proved everybody the mitzvahs were still relevant. The few things we still have to discuss in the Pasha. Let's go towards the end of the Pasha of the mitzvah of tzitzis. The Osulam tzitzis. Why are they called tzitzis, says Rashi? 
Al Shem Habsilim Hatluyim Bo. The threads that are hanging down. Like it says, What is the Indian? What is the idea of the tzitzis? So you should see them. As Dabar says until we learn the mitzvah of tzitzis, and we read, we learn now the custom of the Jewish nation is when we say Kriya Shema in the morning by Shachris we take together our four tzitzis the Rebbe brings down we take the front right and the front left and then we hold them together we take the back left and then the back right and we put them between our pinky and our ring finger and we bring them around to the top then we say the Shema when it comes to the Pasha Vayemer, we take again the tzitzis in our second hand, we say Vayemer Hashem. Each time we say tzitzis, we kiss the tzitzis. The last time before we say Emes, the last time we say tzitzis, we kiss, and then it says, and it says, you should look at them when you say, What is the Yisem Eiseh's Chatem? It's called Mitzvah Hashem. We spoke once that what is the idea of seeing the Mitzvahs and remembering all the Mitzvahs of Hashem? Because Tzitzis is Gematria 600. There are eight strings and five knots, which is 13, and therefore 613 Mitzvahs are remembered once we see the Tzitzis. Here we are delving into a separate issue. What is the explanation of these two forms? Of the psilim and the seeing it. The etzim mitzvah of the tzitzis is doing, making the tzitzis and wearing them. And ureisim say This is already an extra thing. This comes once you put on the tzitzis, you can do that. Then there's a second entity, ureisim say. This is the goof of the mitzvah tzitzis. This is the actual mitzvah of doing the tzitzis. Now the mitzvah is to see them. What is the nafkamin of the din? What's the difference... When it comes to an actual din. If a person can't see his tzitzis, how do we say the Isamese? How do we say that Isamese is a goof of the mitzvah tzitzis? How do we say that this is a main part of the tzitzis, of the mitzvah, if he can't complete it? He can't see them. That's why the tzedukim used to hang the tzitzis on the wall, so they could always see them. If you're saying what Isa may say is only an outcome, a derivative, something we derive from the Kiva Mitzvah, and the Mitzvah is only to make it and to wear it, then it's impossible to see the Tzitzis. The seeing of the Tzitzis should be doing the Mitzvah. 
But we say, therefore, that each one of these, the seeing of the mitzvahs of the tzitzis, and the making and wearing the tzitzis, are go hand in hand. Because tzitzis is because of the Isa may say, this goes into the realm of the tzitzis, of mitzvah tzitzis. When it's lacking, you don't have the chefta of the tzitzis. When you don't see it, you don't have a hefta. When it comes, however, to explain the tzitzis are from the Lashon of Psilim, so the hefta of the tzitzis are not only the fact of the Psilim alone, but when we wear the garment, then we have the mitzvah that we are accepting that we also, when we see it, you can also be Mekai in the mitzvah. So the two mitzvahs go hand in hand, seeing it and wearing it, as a chefza and a gavra, and therefore the two come together. Yitzchak Meir of Gur was a little boy, young lad, and he was by the Kajan Semagid. He was by the Kajan Semagid, and the Magid asked a question in front of all the students. The Magad asked this question in front of all the students and nobody knew. No one had the answer. Everybody was quiet. All of a sudden, Yitzchak Meir jumped up. He's a young lad. And he answered the question. The courage of gave him a slight tap across the face and told him, you have to know your place. You have to know your place. When he got that slap, he forgot what he what he answered. He forgot the answer. Totally forgot it. Mm. Many years later, when Yitzchak Gur was ready at the Rebbe, Ger, he suddenly one day called everybody together and made a tremendous suda, tremendous party. When he was asked about the party, middle of a weekday, why are you celebrating? He answered them, because when I got slapped, I forgot that answer. But today, many years later, I remembered it. And because I remembered it, now I'm making a party. So the attitude of, of how a tzaddik works. Another such story. The sons of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, were discussing the Tzemach Tzedek, their father. And the Marash, Reb Shmuel, who later became the successor, (coughs) told a story that he was once 
discussing with somebody a certain sugya, and he was stu- they were both baffled. They were both stuck. They didn't know how to end. They were stuck on something. Thank you. Tzemach Tzedek walked in, heard their problem, their issue, and told them the answer. Then Tzemach Tzedek said, they just know, I haven't learned, I haven't studied this actual subject in 35 years. The Reb Marash, in turn, was telling this story to show the greatness of his father, the Tzemach Tzedek. 35 years he was not involved in this subject, and he remembered like this to be able to answer it such a way that he clarified their question as if it wasn't a question at all. Well, Rabbi Yehuda Leib, another son of the Tzemach Tzedek, said, No. That's not what's so special about Father. That's not what's so special about the Tzemach Tzedek. What's special about the Tzemach Tzedek is that he knows exactly what he studied in the last 35 years every day. And he knows that this topic never came up. That is the beauty. That is the greatness of what the Tzemach showing us. Yes, it's indeed a wonderful thing that in 35 years he hadn't studied the subject and he was fresh with it. But that's not what he was showing. He was showing how he knows exactly, I don't know what that is, I'm allergic to myself. That all <laughs> that 35 years he knows exactly inventory, he has stock of exactly what he studied every single day and knows that this topic, this subject never came up. Another mitzvah in this week's parasha A person should take challah from their first dough. Rashi asks, Loma nismecha. Actually, in the Medish. Loma nismecha. Pash is challah. The Pash of Yedizara. Why is the mitzvah of challah next to the Pash of Yedizara? Let me look at the tell you. Anyone who does the mitzvah of is totally nullifying idol worship. How powerful is that? Not just it's an elevated thing, not just how great it is, it nullifies the entire concept of idol worship. 
The Chazal Masech the Shabbos Taflam and Aleph from Aleph thirty one side one for those keeping score at home. The Gemara tells us Emunas Zesedes Royim. The belief is the order of Zroyim, which planting, etc. And Tesis explains Shemaimin Bechayelomim Vizereya. They believe in perpetual life and they plant. What is derived from this? A person, a farmer. <laughs> they tell the old story in 14 different uh, versions, obviously. 1943. Give me the napkin, please. 1943. The Jews were trying to get the independence in the Holy Land. They were trying to feed themselves under the rule of the English, of the British, and therefore many battles ensued. One of the ways that the Jews had an army and were able to battle was obviously they needed weapons. Moishele was an arms dealer. An arms dealer, Shtelzikfar. Moishele, the farmer, the arms dealer, a.k.a. Was <laughs> Meshel used to bring in the guns and everything and he used to supply everybody. He got caught by the by the by the British and he was incarcerated. A few days later Meshel gets a letter from his wife. What are we going to do now? You're locked up in jail. Who's going to dig up the field now for harvest? We have to now dig up and make the grooves and everything to put the seeds. Who's digging it up? Immediately, Moshe writes a response letter to his wife. Zelda, don't touch the fields. If you're going to dig the fields, you're going to find all my hidden weapons. Don't dig up the fields, please. Stay away. Needless to say, Baruch Hashem, his letter was intercepted by the British intelligence. And they heard and they saw in the letter that all his weaponry, weaponry is buried in the field. The very next morning, the entire British army practically was sitting outside his field. And as soon as the sun rose, they started digging. And they dug up his entire field. Needless to say, they found nothing. Maishal's wife wrote to him how the British intelligence came and they tore up the whole field and the whole land is citizen Jesusan. Maishal writes back a letter to his wife, You're welcome. Now just put down the seeds. The Kiddush here, the person that plants, that plows, and that works in the field has no problem saying, 
My hands, my toil did this. I accomplished this. Look at the wheats I grew. Look at the beautiful plants I grew. It's all me. Chas A Jew, when he plants a field, he davens that the tfuah should grow. It should be a good stock. It should be good wheat. It should rain properly so it should come up on time. He knows it's not him, Chas It's all from Hashem. The Almighty gives you strength to do this. And it's the blessing of God that makes you rich. And therefore when He plants, not me, I don't bring in this panosa, it's from God. He believes that this word comes from Chaim and Bechayi Elomim. He believes that the Almighty brings him his panasa. Therefore, this is the whole mitzvah of challah. The person understands and recognizes that it's not him that's doing this. HaKadosh Baruch himself brings the bracha. If that's the case, his tvua, his wheat, his doughs are not his. But they're the Yebishtas. So when he gives reishis and he says, Seichem, Trumal Hashem. Truth is, it's the Abish's dough. And therefore, when he re- as long as he recognizes that this dough comes from God, a person that does chala is in denial of all kind of idolatry. Because the Kiyah Mitzvah shows the person that he had no Kiyah in doing this. His Parnassah all comes from God Himself. Although it comes Darkiyateva, although it looks like it's nature, but it's all in essence coming from Hashem. I want to discuss one second before we go, as we talk about a birthday in Meledas, a person grows from year to year. And a person has to also grow in sensitivity. In Tovshin Chof Hay, 1970. Five. No, 65. Maybe it was Lamed Hay. I don't remember. Could have been Lamed Hay. It was Shabbos, the 9th of Sivan. Generally on the 9th and the 10th of Sivan on Kislev. The 9th and 10th of Kislev, the Rebbe would fabring. Especially if it came on Shabbos. What would happen is that the davening would finish, the Gabai would stand on the Bima, and he would make the announcements of whatever was going on. And if the Rebbe would turn around and take a sitter to walk down before he announced the time for Mincha, Everybody knew that the Rebbe was going to fabring at 1.30. And as the Rebbe would walk down the steps, the Gabbai would say in the fabrengen from the Rebbe is 1.30. However, if the Rebbe stood and tardied and waited, then the Gabbai knew there was no fabrengen, and they would have in Mincha. And he would call out the time for Mincha. Otherwise, Mincha was after fabrengen. There was a Shabbos, Teskiya slave, 
And they waited and waited for the Rebbe to take a sitter. And they added an announcement on top of announcement on top of announcement. The Rebbe did not take a sitter. Finally, the Gabbai said, Mincha is at 4 o'clock. And the Rebbe took a sitter and walked out. There was no Fabrengim. Chassidim were devastated. And they were just going off their minds what exactly happened here. The same happened the next day. Yud Kislev Sunday, the Rebbe did not fabring. A little digging was done by some Chassidim. And the story was found out. The Rebbe was told that there was a little boy in yeshiva that was not the norm. He was not 100% Nebuch. Women don't wear tzitzis because they can't keep clean. that work? They don't stay clean because they have their cycle, etc. So therefore they don't wear tzitzis. Thank you. Listen, you asked the question. I still owe you for... (laughs) Let me just go off to that quickly. They tell a story of a a man and a woman, a husband and wife had a business together. They were partners. And on Friday night the wife said to the husband, listen, I gotta go light candles. You closed tonight. And he said, okay. She went home to light candles, and he closed. The next morning he told his wife, I gotta go here, Kriya Zatera. She said, okay, I'll open the store. So she opened the store, and he went to Shul. By Mincha, they already both closed the store, and they both went home for Shabbos. So they were both home. So Friday night, it says, Yenuchu Vo, she rests, because she goes home to light candles. Shabbos morning, he's the one that's resting, because he came to shul, because she's opened the store, because he had to hear clear. By Mincha, they're both home, they're both. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the, I have to show you the Alter Rebbe writes the real reason. Anyway, back to the regular scheduled story. This boy was being bullied in Yeshiva Rahman al and there was major, major problems here. It got so far that they went to the principals. And it wasn't helping. The principals weren't doing anything either. Finally, they wrote to the Rebbe what was going on. And the Rebbe told Rabbi Chadikov, excuse me, in the middle, they already told the Rebbe, and the Rebbe sent instructions that things should be taken care of. And finally, it came back to the Rebbe that the principals did not do anything. The Rebbe told Rabbi Chadikov, his secretary, what's going on here? Do I have to go down to the yeshiva to take care of this myself? Tell the principals to look after this child. Why is he being bullied by, the, by other boys? That Shabbos, Tess Kislev was the boys' bar mitzvah. And all the people in the shul sat around for a few minutes 
And they were antsy to run out because they figured the Rebbe was going to fabring at 1.30. The Rebbe did not fabring. And as they were getting ready to leave the shul, someone came in, the Davin in 770, said, there's no fabrengen today. And they all said, no fabrengen? Oh, so we'll fabrengen. And they sat down and the Bamitzah turned into a major party until late in the afternoon, until Mamesh Omas Mincha time. Then Sunday was the boys' party. And again, the Rebbe did not want to disturb this boys' party. So the Rebbe again did not fabrengen. Not to disturb the single boys' party. The sensitivity the Rebbe had to a single child. This is the sensitivity that we have to have for each and every fellow Jew. And this is what we learn as a lesson from a birthday. And we start and we embark on a new year of life. And we say to ourselves how sensitive and caring we have to be to our fellow Jew. And therefore the Abishta will smile back and be sensitive and caring to us and especially to the person of the birthday. And should feel secure and happy and safe. And the Abishta should bless her with Hakel, Bakel, Mikel and Koltuv, Selah, Arichas, Yom, Vishonim. And we should all be zeichet to go from this birthday to go to the Geula Mitzvah to the ultimate birthday party of Klal Yisrael, as the Teresa Yem Yem talks about the Chosid coming to the Rebbe being his birthday, so too our birthday will be the day that Mashiach comes, we'll all be born, and we will start a new era, a new Shlav, in Yerushalayim and this Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all.